The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton, back behind the desk once again and getting to talk the trade today with Brad Coima of Coima and Kymek there at a Sioux Center, Iowa. And Brad, thank you so much for joining us here today. As we take a look here at the trade, of course, I know a lot of people seeing some big reds there in the grain department, but I want to start here where we saw green on the screen, and that is livestock. Here are these live cattle front months seeing triple-digit gains. What did you see on the trade today? Well, thanks, Clay. Um, and, and it was a, a, a quite a significant day, actually, in, in some ways, I thought, on the cattle. And by the way, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy being on, whether it's with you or with Susan. Um, the cattle deal, a couple things that I thought were interesting about the day. Uh, number one, um, April up a dollar thirty-five, August up only forty, October up twenty-two. So in other words, uh, a day where the forward spreads were big. Uh, April gained on June and on August, and the listener might say, "Who cares?" Uh, well, the reason I think we ought to care is today is the third day of the Goldman Roll. Today traditionally would be the day where you're going to get the, the the highest amount of selling of April and buying of the deferreds. Well, you think by nature then that April would struggle. Uh, so the fact that it was by far the strongest, I thought, was another, you know, kind of another reinforcement, a nail in the in the board or whatever that you know that this was uh, kind of impressive action. Uh, with the action that we ended up with today, Clay, we also ended up with a weekly reversal up uh, on the on the front month on the April cattle, also a nice sign. Um, I I I was frustrated uh, yesterday when I thought the, the the fundamental news was was firming was better was better than expected, frankly, and the futures did little or nothing with it. In fact, we were over a dollar lower for the most part. Um, you know, just one of those days where the fundamentalist like myself goes like, no kidding. I mean, uh, I guess it doesn't matter today. But, you know, ultimately, you'd like to think that in time, that fundamental stuff does matter. And I thought today when the cash market came back fully steady again in the south uh, with more 127 trade uh, and then more 126 trade here, and, and it seemed like a willingness on the packer to go pretty deep with them, in other words, buy a week or two or even three weeks in some cases, and then the bids even started to firm a little bit up here in the north, but since this cattle trading a little bit higher at 127, uh, I, I just think with the discount structure in the futures market like April has to the cash, it's not that far from April. That was enough fine. You know, the, the reinforcement of this better-than-expected cash market was enough to, to, to tug these April cattle a little bit higher today, at least, Clay. And, Brad, you talked there about the cash cattle market. That is one. Hey, we, I want to go back two years, back to 2017, late 2016, and we started going in. We started getting these cattle on feed reports showing we've got more cattle in the yards, more cattle in the yards. But yet, year after year over the past couple of years, we've had a strong cash cattle market. Uh, what is the story behind that being able to stick out so well? That's an excellent perceptive question, actually. Um, if you back up to a year ago at this time, a year ago at this time, the first or second week of March, June cattle futures were tri- were twenty dollars a hundred below what the current cash market was. 
We were coming out of this environment where we had that huge sell-off the second half of 2015. It stayed horrible almost the whole year of 2016. Uh, unprecedented losses. We expanded the herd at a rapid rate, uh, rivaling back in the mid-70s after the Nixon price freeze. And everybody was going like, oh, my goodness, we got so many cattle on feed, we're never going to get through them. Uh, and it looks like the futures market trading at that steep discount is telling us how bad it's going to get. And so what we did was we got more current uh, a year ago at this time than we had in almost seven years. Uh, in fact, took the average carcass weight of steer and heifers down to 811 pounds by the second week of May. Well, when you get that current, you can get, you get you can, you become a price maker rather than a price taker. In other words, the packer has to um, you, you've got leverage over the packer, particularly when at last year at this time our demand. While we thought it was quite good, we we underestimated just how good the demand was. And I think you know, as you look at the demand structure right now, demand isn't isn't just good; it's great. Okay, don't let anybody kid you. Uh, demand is globally and domestically very, very, very good. So the key to the deal moving forward. So now you got June's at one fourteen, and the cash is one twenty six or seven, so we're twelve or thirteen under cash. Uh, the key this year, I believe, going into this this early springtime, early summer, late spring, early summer, is are we going to get as current as we did last year? And if we do, you know, we can we can enjoy another real good cash market. Personally, I don't expect that we're going to. Uh, I don't expect that we'll do as good a job. I think you know, typically we'll, we'll go well. I remember it really rallied last year, so I guess I'll just hold this year because I wished I would have last year. Uh, so, but we'll see. But I mean, you know, that the market's a moving target. But that's one of the things I think Clay is is it's a great question, and it has to do with the, the relative currentness, not necessarily the overall number or supply of cattle, but how current we are. And then there's got to be packer confidence as well. Is there a way to gauge that packer confidence to see if there's any way to kind of foretell just how long we can keep with this current trend? Well, you know, the thing I look at, and, you know, they're pretty good at disguising their hand, but the, 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 thing, the one thing that I, I think that one can kind of look at a little bit is, you know, if you see a packer trying to get out in front of the supply, in other words, instead of just buying hand-to-mouth uh, because... Well, it would be no different than, than if you're going to buy Mountain Dew and everybody told you that there's an oversupply of Mountain Dew or well, you're going to buy only what you need to drink today because tomorrow it'll probably be cheaper because there's even more of it coming in on the next truckload, right? Well, if you get a packer that, that says, you know what, I can sell meat here and I, I can afford to pay a dollar twenty-six for cattle and I can sell that meat way higher than that and I can make money, uh, hey, let's just get on down the road, let's buy next week's cattle too or maybe even three weeks from now cattle. Let's let let's kind of tie up that inventory because business is good, and they're frankly the only ones that can really know that. Uh, you know that that would be a tip off, but you know that they're 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 pretty good at. Um, it's, it's not always easy to, to to read the tea leaves on that actually. <laughs> exactly, Clay. Again, we're talking with Brad Coima here and talking a lot right now on the livestock side of things, but that's where the green was today. Again, seeing somewhat of an inverse of what you might expect, especially going into uh, early spring-type trading, where we're seeing these front cattle months see triple-digit gains as well, seeing that spill over into the feeder cattle, seeing some decent gains there as well. When we come back, we're going to discuss grain markets and more here on the Rural Radio Network. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us today to talk the trade, Brad Coima of Coima and K-Mix, Sioux Center, Iowa. And Brad, in our last segment, we focused a lot on those cattle, which saw triple-digit gains in the live cattle side. Now I kind of want to switch over to the grains, but I ask it in the same way uh, talking with my granddad years ago would say it, when corn goes up, cattle go down. Now we've seen a decent little rally here in the grains. How do you tie it back to the livestock trade? Well, that's a, I like an old school question like that, Clay, because I'm old, you know. So, um, uh, yes, yeah, certainly the perception, of course, is if if you have uh, cheaper feed stuff, we have a tendency to uh, overfeed the cattle because uh, the gain is cheaper than what you're getting paid for. So, if the market's dollar twenty six today, cost of gain is maybe seventy cents a pound. You know, you're almost doubling your money on every pound you put on. So that 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 seems to be the the hook or the tie. Now, one of the thing, one of the things that every grain farmer that's listening right now can relate to is that we've had cheap corn for three years, right? Um, with 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 a few little variations and wobbles in it, but uh, for the most part, yes, we, we, we've had that. And and the other thing that relates both to cattle and hogs is is uh, is the you know, if the corn's this cheap, we'll figure out a way to walk it off the yard. That would be another old, old-timer old statement. In other words, we'll feed it through livestock, which means maybe we're expanding our cow herd, maybe we're expanding our sow herd. Uh, you know, so usually you get the market to, to tilt a little bit that way where the deferreds, and you saw that today in the cattle, actually. Um, and you see it in the deferred hogs as well, where you see some weakness back there because of the cheap foodstuffs to a degree. And overall, we did. We saw more red in the grains today, and we've seen decent rallies up to this point. Is it USDA report getting into traders' minds, or are we getting back to this more of a fundamental weather market? The uh, report yesterday um, was a little friendly corn. Uh, the USDA report that you're referring to, the stocks report. Um, that stocks report uh, is fine. It's not one of my favorite reports, uh because it doesn't give you much of a breakdown on how the USDA got to the numbers that they got to. But the corn number was down a little bit from expectations, and we, we assume that what, what's doing it is, A, uh, uh, feed usage is up a little bit because of the heavy livestock counts, especially cattle and hogs. By the way, cattle, if you're ever wondering, when you're talking about feed usage, all other things combined, chickens, ducks, hogs, sheep, everything combined, uses less corn than the beef does, uh, in case you're wondering about that. Anyway, the uh, other thing, so we've had good, probably a little bit of an uptick in the, in the feed usage. I, I think the other thing, though, is that we've had actually better than expected exports, um, and uh, that's also a little bit helpful. So that's the corn story, even though today they didn't fare real well. Yesterday they were okay. The, the bean deal, carryout was actually, or the ending stocks was actually a bigger number than what was expected. You know, they did some adjustments to the world numbers. I think everybody by now knows that the crop in Argentina is a little bit less. You know, I mean, I've been hearing for what feels like two months how it's dry in Argentina. Um, the, 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 the numbers there, you know, so set the tone a little bit, I think, for some a negative start. But I think the real catalyst today was probably the weather and specifically the weather forecast shift in uh, the southern hemisphere, especially in Argentina. Now, we could come back here Monday and this whole weather event's a flop, but right now we go to the weekend thinking that the weather's going to change a lot, that there's going to be quite widespread uh, precipitation event in that area of Argentina, especially that needs it the worst. Um, and I think that was probably the, you know, that was probably the trump card here today in the soybean pit. 
and Brad, let's go into some other subjects, and it's one that's been a hot topic this week, and it's President Trump and what some are now starting to call it is Trump rhetoric, but uh, President Trump coming out with the tariffs and putting them in, although we don't know all the particulars yet of that aluminum and steel tariff trade. What do you see doing? What do you see that doing to the markets? I wish I wish I, it's a very good question. I wish I was more help, um, but here it goes anyway. Um, you know, having been a futures broker for 38 years, I've seen over and over how the futures market, the MO of the futures market is that they always overreact, right? I mean, they overreact if we think it's dry. We overreact if we think some other event is something. And, 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 uh, and I have been, frankly, stunned that the market has been able to handle this uh, move toward, you know, a very protectionist type of a trade policy. Um, and the fact that, well, for instance, Take China. Take the whole thing. That the question that you asked, the the the, the aluminum and, and steel tariff. Okay, China is our best customer for what? Beans and hogs, right? Um, and and without China in the bean market, you know, as, as far as a, an export partner for us, it, it, I can't even quite imagine that that the beans have not you know uh, stubbed their toe harder than they have today. Uh, but so so you know, it's not a secret. So, you know, the, the, the sense you would get is that then, okay, well, then the professional trader, what is he thinking? I guess he's thinking that it's not going to change things appreciably at this point. Um, he, he must believe that, you know, when it comes down to who's going to blink first, I guess we must think it's not going to be us, uh, you know, in this trade negotiation. Now, it's not going to, in fact, affect how many beans they buy from us because maybe we're still the cheapest place to buy beans, which is the case for the most part. That's Brad Coima joining us here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.